Welcome back to the Passive Hang, it's Fayon here, and I have Aaron Griffiths for his round two on the podcast. Aaron joined us all the way back at the very beginning at episode five, so if you haven't checked out that episode already, check it out. Since that time, Aaron has now sold his law firm and is pursuing a life to share the practices which have enriched him, including movement, breathwork, and mindfulness. Aaron and I both really love the topic of locomotion within movement practice, and I'm really happy to see that Aaron has created a course around how to get started with locomotion training, because when I started, it was really hard to find any online resources on how to demystify or how to approach the subject. So I'm really glad that Aaron is making his contribution to make it easier for others to access into this wonderful world, this wonderful world of locomotion. So I term this episode Loco about Loco because there's something within that practice that does make you a little crazy and Aaron himself is a little crazy in a good way. And so we get to hear what's been happening in his life recently, what he's been working on and his approach and advice on the topic of locomotion training. I hope you guys enjoy. We're going to get started. All right, guys, we're at episode 54. I have Aaron Griffiths back on the podcast, round two. Welcome back, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Farron. Mate, it's good to see you once again. Well, I guess virtually, but we did see each other. Well, a couple of months ago, right? Back in Wollongong. That was awesome, by the way. Yes, the ghetto, the games in the ghetto down in Wollongong. Uh, that was an unbelievable hangout. So it was good to see you. And yeah, it's such a great event with awesome movers from all over Australia. So I absolutely love that. Oh man, the, um, the movement workshops, the in-person events needs to happen again. There's nothing like it, right? Yeah, well, we're just so lucky to pull it off with um, the travel restrictions and yeah, so, you know, with the country going into random lockdowns all the time, to be able to pull that off and everybody got there, it was just an awesome event with all my favorite movers from Instagram. I've got all these Instagram friends and I got to hang out and train with them in person. So it was like, you know, it was like a, a dream for me. I'm laughing because it was like the same for me. It's like all these people that you, you've connected with either via Instagram or maybe you haven't connected, but you've just been following and you're like, he's real. She's yes. real. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And if you train alone, if you're a solitary creature, like I am uh, seeing Lewis, you know, with his one arm hand transitions and some of the stuff in real life, it's different than seeing it in 2d on Instagram, on your phone. It just doesn't compare to the 3d reality of what's going on with all the different angles and the geometry of how it's possible and it's almost like magic or an illusion and you're thinking is this happening in front of my eyeballs like can someone really do that on one arm i think before that weekend i'd only ever seen one person in real life do a one-arm handstand um that was yeah thomas emerson when i went to praxis and then that weekend i think i saw like seven seven people some all all on one arm and yeah, yeah that was that was a sight to behold Absolutely. Yeah. It blew my mind and yeah, it was great to connect again, train. And um, I think the running theme from the event was that the absence of ego, um, you kind of think that all these really high level guys are going to be arrogant and up themselves and 
um, look at me, but they were so willing to share and the coach, cause there were, it's a room full of coaches. So everyone's coaching you and you just, your skill level is just improving minute by minute because you've got all these high level eyeballs on you and people helping you and adjusting you. And yeah, I just found it an incredible experience and it, it exceeded my expectations. I thought there'd be way more ego, but it's just such a cool community. It, it is a little bit alternate and the everybody contributing like that just created such a great energy. And I hope, I hope we get to do more of that. I think it's really special because for you and I as well, like we do majority of our training variant, like online, right? Online training. And so when you get that opportunity to meet other practitioners, you know, on your level, above your level, it's few and far between sometimes. Absolutely. And like you said, there were seven or eight guys with one arm handstands and then multiple stalders and, so to be looking up the chain and then there were plenty of people, you know, on the other end of that, um, that were learning those progressions. So it was just such a beautiful mix. And I was chatting to a few of the um, higher level guys. They really enjoyed being able to help people who were just, you know, starting into some of these progressions. So they get to share. And then, you know, the guys that are looking up and learning, they get to feed off that and everybody's just feeding off each other. And it just created just such an epic event. Mm. So since that event, what's been going on in the world of Aaron Griffiths? Well, <laughs> very exciting. I, uh, as you know, I sold my law firm in November, well, in September last year, worked out until November and um, finished up as a lawyer in November 2020. So I had a bit of time off and indulged a little bit, bought a little caravan and did some um, Traveling locally, of course, a um, bit tricky to go interstate or anywhere else. So I thought some domestic travel was in order um, with the kids. And so I've done a bit of camping. And then just more recently, I thought, well, I've got to pull my finger out. I can't just, you know, become a bum and walk the earth forever. <laughs> um, so I've created a locomotion course. And uh, that has been my project for the last you know, three or four months. Lots of filming, lots of editing. Um, taught myself how to build a website and build landing pages and um, create this course. And um, so it's just launched and I'm in launch week. It's day six of the first week. So it's off to a good start. And yeah, I just want to really share locomotion with people because I'm really passionate about it and I love doing it. So I wanted to make it more accessible and try to help people with an entry point into locomotion. So yeah, that's been my last three months. Well, the theme of this episode is going to be like loco about loco. So, you yeah. know, I wanted to ask, like, when did the love affair with locomotion start for you? Well, I think it started, I went off to, um, I think it was called Movement X, uh, a, an Edo Portal three-day seminar in Sydney, maybe, geez, that was close to five years ago now. And I'd never really seen that stuff before. And as soon as I saw it, I thought I'm, I'm learning this stuff. I don't know something about it because I'd come from um, a rugby background and all the strength and conditioning was so linear. So um, straight up and down and to see all this off angle stuff and the hand, the hand balancing threaded through it and capoeira inspired movement. And to see these big muscly guys that could also bend and 
hover and spin and um, there was something beautiful to it. There was a creative dance element to it. And I was just intrigued and I just felt so stiff and robotic at the time. And I just, I think somehow intuitively knew that I needed to get more fluid. And um, I'd always, you know, been a bit nervous about dance. I, you know, felt uncomfortable dancing. So I Mm. think um, the musicality of it and um, the fluidity and the flow just really drew me in. And I think intuitively I knew for my stiff robotic body at the time that it would be very healthy. (laughs) So um, that, that seminar, that three day workshop just really lit something up. And ever since then I've just been, you know, hungry for it. I've had an appetite for it and it's just been something that I've been progressively working on over the years. That fluidity concept I think is really powerful because, you know, coming from where my training has been where I was doing like a bit of dabbling in bodybuilding, powerlifting, those sort of things, chasing those sort of goals. You do feel this like stiffness build up over the years, right? And I remember trying to do things outside of the field of like lifting weights and some things that were very basic would be easier, but other things that involved any sort of coordination or complex movement pattern was kind of a bit harder. I remember even like trying to run sideways at one point when I was playing hockey and I was like, this isn't as easy as, as it was before. Absolutely, man. I remember, um, I was, I got into CrossFit when it first came out, uh, for a while and I really enjoyed, it was, it was cool because it exposed me to rings and, um, also lifting and Olympic lifting. And I remember I got quite strong uh, with the deadlift and um, the clean, especially uh, that was um, really good for me. And then I remember one day I was, um, I was sort of at the peak of my CrossFit power. I was getting really strong and um, I was at home and I, I was taking the wheelie bin out and uh, a piece of paper blew out of the wheelie bin in the breeze and landed on the driveway. So I, I stopped the wheelie bin and then I sort of just turned around and twisted to go you know as you do you just twist and go to get it and um i hurt my back i reached down to grab a piece of paper and i tweak i twinged my back i hurt my back and it just went out and i was kind of bedridden for like three days and i remember i was embarrassed to tell my coach because um i had a week off training and i told my coach at the time uh, I couldn't train because I was injured. I hurt, I hurt my back. And he said, how did you hurt your back? And I said, oh, I picked up a piece of paper off the ground. And, you know, at the time I'm like, you know, deadlifting 200 kilos or something pretty decent and um, benching huge amounts. And yeah. And I'm like, huh, you know, um, this life stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I just wasn't, prepared for it. So um, the good thing about Loco is that it really puts you in all those unusual planes and there's a lot of twisting and bending. And so you start to develop strength and protection in those unusual organic positions. So um, yeah, I think there's a strong carryover there for taking out the wheelie bin or other domestic chores, you know, reaching around to smack your kids when they're playing up on the back seat as you drive it. <laughs> you know, have you ever tried, uh, you know, I can reach if you're in the driver's seat and um, I guess uh, we should clarify for your overseas viewers uh, in Australia, our steering wheel is on the right hand side of the car and I'm right-handed. So it means 
if you need to smack your kid and I'm not, I'm not condoning smacking children, but if you need to reach around and sort your kids out, I have my left hand available and I can only really access the child on the back left seat and I can't reach behind to get the child directly behind me. But with this loco sort of stuff, you access more ranges and you can start to get at the other kid. So that's another excellent carryover. <laughs> that, that's what we call the, um, the, the, what, like low car seat rotation. So as you, as you re yes. re reach over and open up and you... <laughs> it's sort of like the teacup principle, you know, that I see you doing the teacups. Um, yeah, you can start to access all children on the back seat are no longer safe. Well, we're all about transferability here when we study this movement thing, right? So, you know, this is a, this is a prime example. Absolutely. There's got to be carryover. You know, that's functional fitness right there when you can, you know, access the children if you need to sort them out while you're driving along. You know, what do you define as like locomotion, you know, like, I don't even know where this term kind of grew out of, right? Like back in the back in the Edo blog days, it was Florea, right? That was more coming yes. out from Capoeira. So yes. like the term locomotion, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's just the general term, right? But do you know where it started getting attached as like locomotion or being described as this thing? Well, I'm not really sure, but um, after, after that seminar of Edo's, I um, bought some gymnastic bodies, um, uh, online programs, which were, um, very much gymnastic strength focus, but there was also a locomotion section in there, which was um, uh, some sort of low gate movement stuff and rolling and some sort of um, soft tumbling, I guess, uh, for, for adults that wanted to learn some of the gymnastics. So um, I think, you know, if you Google it, locomotion by scientific definition is how things move. So I've just come to define it as, moving in interesting ways and it's characterized particularly by the various disciplines that you can draw on for the practice. So we see uh, influences from the martial arts, um, capoeira in particular. Um, we see gymnastics where uh, if you watch some flows, uh, people are incorporating press to handstands um, into some of the movements. We see some arm, arm balancing. Um, you know, if you're high, high enough level, you see some one arm stuff being put into it. Um, we see some soft acrobatics, um, some arching um, with the, the various bridge variations and cartwheel variations, the floor communication, uh, people rolling across the floor and um, twisting and spinning across the ground. And then we see some acrobatics where you actually start to, to leave the ground, um, you know, some tricking elements, some butterfly kicks and, some flips and things like that. So um, it is sort of hard to, hard to define, but the good news is I think it's accessible depending for everybody. Um, you can draw on whatever you have and you can, there's no limit to it. That's a really cool thing. It's this infinite broad spectrum of um, fusion of disciplines. And uh, if you watch da uh, dance, you can see people, you know, there's, they're such terrific movers and you can see how um, some of that can be inspired into locomotion flows and, and sequences. And so there's no real limit to it. And um, 
yeah, that's what makes it exciting, I think, and and so deep. So um, that's what I love about it. But you're right, it is sort of hard to define and everybody moves differently. And I think that's because everybody has different experience from different disciplines, different styles, and then you can really just sort of fuse that together. Um, provided you have a foundation, you need a um, some some foundational elements need to be present in terms of your biomechanics. And once you've got that, you can learn some patterns and then away you go. I think what I really like about locomotion is that it's like this boundless infinite game, right? You can just keep on going, going, going. And it's kind of like you make your own rules, right? Like when you play, like when I'm playing Capoeira at the moment, there's definitely like, specific forms or rules that you have to comply with because that's the understanding that you play with with the other person but in locomotion it's kind of like anything goes right but mm. i think that's also the tricky part because for the when you're starting when anything goes it's like it's like too much right you're like head explosions like what what do i do you just like stand there and you're like okay you got to move somehow too much too much for me <laughs> yeah exactly um well the approach i think uh I've adopted, which has been handed down from um, learning from Ido Portal and then other, other teachers that have learned under him. Um, and I think it, it's the best way to learn is the idea of isolating a skill, drilling that and practicing that until it's fairly ironed in. Um, moving on then to integration, where you can start to stitch skills together and make small combinations. And then you can do that in open or closed systems so in you can have a uh a pre or you know a predetermined sequence that you'll execute in or you can give yourself boundaries where you can say okay i'm just going to play with these four skills but in any order and you can open up the sequencing so you can you can do that and then thirdly the last stage of improvisation where you can start to really let the body drive the flow and create that flow state beyond mind where there's no choice uh, being driven by the mind and it's starting to be driven through intuition and where your body naturally wants to move itself and you almost surrender to some sort of higher intuition. And that's probably the, the highest state of uh, this practice where you sort of surprise yourself sometimes because you become an observer on the ride as your body is moving and you're thinking, Whoa, what's this? Where am I going? Whoa. You know, and you're not consciously premeditating each step. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people have trouble because they're not playing in, um, all three areas, all three zones. So I think it's important to, and I, that's where I've made that mistake where I've only played in one of those zones for, for a long time. And then I miss out on the benefits of the other two zones. So I think a really balanced practice has a combination of those, of those three zones. Yeah. How do you split your time between each of the three now? Well, each session has a combination of all three. So uh, for example, at the moment I'm working on um, about, four skills. So what I'll do is I'll drill them in isolation. I'll just do them on their own. Um, so for example, it might be, I'm working on a, a C step at the moment, which is a, a new one that's just been given to me. And, uh, I will, um, just drill that, uh, for, for reps. So I might do, uh, 
you know, eight reps of that um, per side type thing. And then uh, I'll do that for each of the four skills on my day. And then I'll work at combining two together. So I'll, this is the, um, the integration section where I'll start to stitch two together and then I'll do the other two together and I'll practice trying to work on the transition because you, you start to realize that the transition or the connecting of the two is almost a skill in, in itself. Um, because there's a, there's a, it's all, it's almost like, um, I remember when I studied English at school and they made us read Hemingway and, uh, I really didn't get it at first. Hemingway was hard for me to read. And I remember we read this one story about there was this unusual, uh, meeting of a man and a woman at a railway station. And, um, I read it very literally. And, uh, afterwards I thought that was a pretty boring story. And then, um, we have that group discussion about what it meant. And then everybody in the class is like, Oh my God, like, you know, the woman was having an abortion and, um, and the man was, um, you know, leaving town for work and all of this. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't get any of that. And um, the teacher explained to me that it's not what's on the page. It's what's in between the words. It's what's not, it's what isn't being said that you had to pick. That's how you read Hemingway. And, and I thought, Oh, okay. So, you know, but I didn't know that. I just read it like a literal story. And so that's what I'm sort of finding with this stuff that there's um, the gaps between the skills it, that's a whole nother world. And so trying to connect them to create that flow and to let the chi run through the skills so that you've got some fluidity. Um, so that's integration. And then um, the improvisation at the end, um, which is the most challenging for me because uh, I'm not naturally, um, uh, you know, I'm not very dancey. And, and so I put the music on for 60 seconds and then you just, the rule is you have to keep moving. And sometimes it might be, okay, you can only practice X amount of skills. So you can create boundaries around the improvisation or you can open it up and just say, okay, whatever skill goes in this, but the only rule is you have to keep moving. So you can put limitations in, but um, the idea is you, you force yourself to keep moving. And, and when you get stuck, it's not acceptable to just stop and just stop the music. Um, you, you have to recover and just keep going. And um, probably that's where I've got a lot of benefit because that's what I neglected early on in my locomotion practice. So um, I try to do all three in every session. I think that's the way to go. I think that's the best way to learn. And um, yeah. Yeah. I think that improvisation part is definitely like the most, um, it's like the most confronting, right? Because it's almost like you, you don't want to fail or you don't want to get stuck. But then if you think about that, then you do get stuck and then you're like, ah, and, and when you catch yourself in that, in that moment, you know, I normally find like my sort of first inclination as well is like, ah, oh, you want to start over, right. You want to have this like perfect flow for the, for the full time that you've given yourself. But it's, it doesn't happen like that, especially when you're just starting off with it you just gotta you get it's kind of it's not like this flow it's more like you're doing these sequences kind of stitched together but then you sometimes stop but you kind of just keep on forcing yourself to to stop start stop start stop start absolutely um instagram probably has a lot to answer for there uh, because you you want to get the perfect sequence you know to share on instagram so i think sometimes even um i found turning the camera off um you know, I like to film 
uh, to, to check on things and make sure my form's looking good. And, you know, it's a great way to review, but other times just turning it off and, um, yeah, just getting lost in the music and which sounds pretty cheesy and cliche, but yeah, I really think if you can tap into that zone and just flow, um, you can create those flow states and, um, not worry so much about perfect form. And, and then it's always surprising that by relaxing into that, you often get better results um, because you're not trying so hard. So, and, and just taking your time with it, you know, not rushing. And that was the feedback from my different teachers um, over the years is that just slow down, like stop, stop going so fast. <laughs> um, so yeah, just learning to slow down um, 60 seconds or 90 seconds, you know, you can really gas yourself in that time if you're going hard. So um and then you'll find you just revert to the same things over and over. If you've got no limit, you just do your favorite skills that are easy um, rather than sort of push into those things that are hard and that you're going to fall or you're going to, um, you know, mess up or you don't know how to recover or get out from there. So yeah, it's just really, it's this really deep, beautiful practice that I think is gamified to a point um, because of that, um, because of the levels and the, and the infinite possibilities and the ability to create boundaries and constraints um, can make it super fun. So it's always different. And um, it's just, just, I mean, I, I just get so much um, joy from it, but also the physical benefits. I'm always a lather of sweat. It's great conditioning. It's very hard on the legs um, as you know. So yeah, it's a great workout and I absolutely love it. I think you don't really start owning that that low gate squat position until you really start doing some heavy locomotion, right? Like I remember beforehand, you know, it's always like, yeah, I can squat or, you know, I can squat heavy, that sort of thing. But it's not until you're like staying with your hips low to the ground that you start realizing, oh, okay, there are like always levels to this, right? And even now, right, there's even more levels, most definitely. But there's definitely like this, this big... Uh, steep like physical learning curve I think at the start where your thighs and your legs are just burning in all these new different ways that you've never experienced before yeah well I, I got a taste of that firsthand when I was building this course because I I had to film it all so I was doing um, demonstrations and I was filming the demonstrations and there's a lot of content so I, I worked out quickly that uh, I could only really physically tolerate like two hours a day of, um, of demonstrating. Uh, and I was just filming myself down in the park or at home here. And then my legs would just be absolutely cooked. And, uh, I was pretty unhealthy there for a few, for a few months because I, I filmed it over, Oh, maybe three weeks, maybe a month. So I just did bulk locomotion and my legs were just, you know, it's not how you'd program it for somebody. You wouldn't tell somebody to go and do this stuff two hours a day, every day for, you know, a month straight. Um, but cause I wanted to build the course, that's what I ended up doing. And my legs were just, you know, I mean, I adapted after probably two weeks, but yeah, the first two weeks I was so sore. Um, cause it's just very, le very leg heavy, uh, in that low squat, low gait position. Um, so yeah, it, it's great for the legs. Um, and then Contrary to that, I was very unhealthy for a few weeks, well, a few months because the editing took me twice as long. So I was sitting at my computer uh, for bulk hours, just sitting, you know, um, so the, being a hypocrite, really, I was uh, chained to my desk 
trying to edit and produce all the material that I needed for the course to, to put online. So I had a very um, unusual three month training phase, which was completely imbalanced and completely contrary to my own training methodology. But um, I did it. It's done. The course is up. It's up there now. So I'm proud of myself for, for getting through it. And um, my locomotion improved a lot as a result too. So that was, that was a side benefit. Yeah, I do have to say congratulations for pushing it out because yeah, huge body of work there. And definitely it's like when you're doing it and you're filming it, like that's the, that's the fun part, right? And then editing, especially when it's like a, a lot to go through, that can really take your time and sort of pull your hair out when it doesn't work out as well. Yeah, I learned a ton. Um, so uh, I was new. This is my first time building a course. Uh, I don't have a tech background. I was a lawyer, like I said, up until last year. I'd never built um, a website or anything like that. So yeah, if anybody's thinking of doing this, allow for more time than you think, but also be ruthless. I, I think what made my life harder was I wasn't ruthless with the filming. And uh, when I'd get back, so I just filmed over a few weeks and I would demo things. And sometimes I'd, I'd do the one thing over and over and over and just leave it on my camera, on my memory card. So I, when I got to the editing suite to start editing, I'd have, I'd have to wade through so many clips and it really slowed me down. So if I could have my time again, I'd be so much more ruthless at the time of filming and I'd just be deleting the, the crappy ones as I went. So when it got time to editing, I was, I'd be a lot more efficient. Um, that was a, that was a big lesson. So <laughs> um, if I make a series two and a series three or, or more courses in the future, which I intend to do, I'm going to be absolutely ruthless uh, when it comes to the filming and, and just deleting the stuff that, you know, isn't as good. Do you have the same problem actually when you're submitting like your progress reports on online coaching? Because when I do it, I have to like submit all these videos as well. And you go through like all your phone and now that, my phone saves everything to the cloud as well. You know, I've got, I've got like tons of it. And then when I have to sit down and, and do this report and compile all these videos, it's like that same feeling because I got to go through like thousands of all these clips and like there's heaps of them that are, that are really bad. Right. Because I'm just like learning it and you got to try and find, Oh, where was that one where that's representative of what I want to show now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that happens to me too. So yeah, my teacher, Jackson Lenan uh, uh, from Movement 4 in Brisbane, um, shout out to Jackson. Uh, I try to be kind with my videos. I try to, you know, trim them and make them neat and occasionally add captions. But then other times I'm just, uh, I want to just focus on training and not so much the video editing. And um, so I'll just slap them all together and send them to him, uh, which I'm sure he doesn't like. But um, yeah, it's, my phone is just so chock full of training things and I probably need to get a better system for cataloging things and just, you know, filing it as I go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the curse of the online training, I think where um, half your job is video submissions. So you kind of, you kind of learn how to be a, a video editor at the same time as a, um, a movement practitioner. I think so. I think so. It's one of the, um, yeah, the other, uncommon skills that you pick up in this game <laughs> and, absolutely uh, with uh i guess this um locomotion training you know how are you normally programming that now 
in your training? So in my training, um, I normally do it twice a week uh, for around 60 minutes to 90 minutes uh, per session. And like I say, I'll work on a couple of skills um, per session uh, in isolation. Then I'll integrate them into um, some open and closed chain integrations or combinations, uh, working with a couple of skills, learning how to connect the dots and then finish with some improvisation. So yeah, I'll normally train that um, twice a week. Um, sometimes more if I can, I really like it because it's um, conditioning or cardio. So if, if I have spare time or, or I just want to play, um, that's what I revert to because I just find it so gratifying and um, makes me feel good. So if I just need to move around, um, I like that dynamic way of moving. Um, these days I'm sort of less about uh, the Globo gym and isolated um, movements. And I, I really like the idea of getting that mobility on the fly and while you're moving. So um, it's my favorite way to move. I could do it with the kids. They love it. They love playing with me and um, it's very playful for them. So um, at the moment it makes up uh, a third of my program um, that I'm doing. I do uh, straight arm work and bent arm work uh, on the other three days. So uh, straight arm work is my handstands. So I'm doing um, handstands and press to handstand work and some um, just some tuck planche work on my straight arm day. And then on my bent arm day, it's predominantly rings. So I'm doing a lot of uh, body levers off the rings at the minute, um, just building up some of that bent arm strength um, with uh, like L sit to shoulder stand and then straddle body lever down um, is, is one of the features in my current bent arm strength work. So uh, all that stuff has great carryover into the locomotion. So yeah, what I love about the locomotion is you can incorporate, if you're working on press to handstand and things like that, you could build that into you, into your locomotion. And obviously the, the ring, the upper body ring stuff has just tremendous carryover for locomotion because when it comes to things like maybe the, the low inverted lizard, you've got that power in the, in the one arm lowering down into the lizard. So it gives you tremendous strength. Um, so I definitely think locomotion is a, you know, a, a, a discipline within a broader practice. And um, I really enjoy training handstands on the rings for, for other reasons. And, um, but it's cool that you can, you can take all of those bits and use them and express them uh, in locomotion. So that's what I love because it doesn't work the other way. You can't sort of pull locomotion and put it into the other things, but you can draw on all the other disciplines and build really cool locomotion sequences. So um, yeah, that's what I love about it. Yeah. So a couple of interesting points there, which is one like, so all your lower body conditioning is just with locomotion at the moment. Predominantly, yeah. And um, on those days, I do some squat, some squat drills as well. So uh, in the warm ups and things, I'll do some like dragon squat progressions or some sissy squat progressions and things like that. So it's treated as my lower body day and my upper body days um, are broken up into the straight arm strength and the bent arm strength work. Obviously, each day has mobility as well. So there's always for each strength drill a complementary mobility drill so um it's pretty even uh and 
to be honest, I need more mobility than strength because um, I uh, came into it with some strength background. So I already had a bit of strength and my mobility was absolutely woeful. So, um, but I think anybody that's going to give me a program will quickly find out if you just, what I probably need is a program that's like 80% mobility, but I'm never going to do it because um, I, I, I don't enjoy it. Um, so yeah, 50, 50 is all right. You know, a bit of um, mobility and a bit of strength. Um, so. Especially that loaded mobility where, you know, you, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to do like the, um, the long holds after you do like a, a, yeah. a, a few reps and you're just holding yeah. this position in this loaded position and yeah. your whole body and your mind is screaming. Like normally in a sort of passive stretch, I, I can normally control it a bit more cause it's more like yeah. the, the mind, but then yeah. it's like you, you're actually starting to shake as well because yeah. your muscles are fatiguing. Absolutely. I think my coach is smart. He knows I like, I like strength. Uh, it just is more natural for me. So, um, most of my mobility is loaded or isometric holds with, um, with a weight on my feet or something. So he, he manages to build um, mobility through, through load. So it, it's, it's still stimulating for me. Whereas um, yeah, some of the, some of the more passive stretching drills I, I tend to struggle with. So, um, but I, I think it's good to have a mix and, yeah, I really try to. I really try to like mobility, but um, it, I think just because it be, it is hard for me naturally that um, it's it's less fun. But uh, I definitely get the most benefit from it. So it's a huge part in my programming and what I'm doing. And I, you know, for pain relief and just general well-being, it's so good. And um, even just hanging, I just love hanging, and it makes me feel so good just to just to hang every day. Um, it's almost, I wouldn't say orgasmic, but it's like, <laughs> you know, you, you get that. Oh, I feel so good. So yeah, it's got to be there. I think everyone becomes a hanging addict for, for a while. Well, when you like really get into the use of the, you know, the, the bar as a tool and you're like, Ooh, I found a different way to hang. This is like, Oh, another angle. And then you just like keep on returning back to it. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm severely addicted. Oh, well, one of the things that I was introduced to uh, in Wollongong at the ghetto gains workshop that we went to was rails. And uh, for the listeners, Fayon is excellent at rails and you did how many squats on that rail? We were on this, um, I don't know. It was like nipple high rail. It was a high rail. It wasn't low. It was not easy to get up onto a metal rail. And then I don't know. It was like the a star Wars pit of doom in the center. This is a circular rail beside a lighthouse on the cliff at Wollongong. And then there's just this endless dark pit, a hole in front of us where if you fell off the rail and went too far, you'd fall into this star Wars pit where there's some sort of demon, some sort of carnivorous centipede demon down there that was just going to eat you. And uh, everybody's around this circle on this, on these rails. And then you did some stupid number of squats standing um, what laterally to the, on the rail. Uh, How many squats did you do? That was crazy. I think we had to build up to like 50, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) but you did it unbroken without falling off yeah that was crazy but you did the one with the standing where we also had a a task where we just had to stand 
I think for a, like up to a minute, right? And then a minute you, standing straight upright. Yeah, yeah. Every, everything else was new, but for some reason you just like got into position, locked in, and then just that did was the it only thing I go. could do. I could just stand there like a meerkat, just like sniffing the prairie, <laughs> just sniffing for threats, looking for cobras. <laughs> but then I look over, you're just squatting up and down for fifty reps straight. I'm like, I couldn't do one squat. I was like, I can't move on this thing. Anyway, I bring that up because we had a storm. You know, I live here in the in the country, and I'm on some acreage. I've got a forest down the back. We had this crazy storm come through, and trees go down all around me. And um, so I'm like, shit, there's all these trees down. I've got a uh, a little chainsaw, so I've went, I've gone and cut some trees, some big rails, and I've tied them to the trees. And now I've got my own rails set up in the backyard. I've just put them up this weekend. As in the trees are the rails? The or? trees are the rails. <laughs> I've, I've cut big trees and I've tied them to other trees with rope and I've created these horizontal beams, but they're probably like, you know, as thick as your leg or, or yeah, something like that. So there's a bit of flex in them. So they're, they're not like the metal rails we were on and there's no pit of doom with um, that centipede monster inside. There's just, a swamp nearby and paperbark wetlands and birds and trees. And it's really quite nice. So uh, my new, yeah, it's my new little sort of play area where I'm, I'm playing on these rails and I spent an hour down there yesterday, just walking up and down and doing muscle ups and learning how to climb up on them. And yeah, I was trying to do some of the things we learned at Wollongong, um, standing and walking and squatting. Oh mate, camp Aaron, this sounds awesome. Uh, I, when did I go there? It was like, it was like almost a year and a half ago now, I think when I went over to your house and yeah, like I remember you had all the play equipment, you had got the, the ice bath, the, the loco circle, like, which is for the listeners there, like this beautiful piece of artificial turf in front of this pool where you can just do all the locomotion that you dream of. You got your hanging bar as well. And now you got this, what, like natural parkour, gym slash thing rail balance that's it uh, my dream is to uh turn my house into the ultimate gym so um the progress continues uh, i think we had an ice bath that weekend too um was that the was that your first ice bath that was like my first yeah one doing with the wim hof breathing yeah right yeah we did the wim hof breathing and um yeah you guys all got in the in the ice tank that was cool yeah, that was, that was epic. Good memories. Hey, you mentioned before about this thing about um, locomotion being a discipline in, in a broader practice and how things outside of it helps the locomotion practice. Yes. How do you see this like working from the locomotion practice out to, to back out to other areas? Because, you know, this, I've, I've heard like people post about this before, but about how our complexity after a while, like that can also help you get strengths because of, I don't know, it's just more, more com- complex or like I've seen people post after they do like a huge bouts of locomotion that suddenly they're stronger in their handstand pushups and things like that. Have you noticed anything like that? Yeah. Look, uh, the probably, probably the biggest comment I get is um, with jujitsu. Uh, so just with scrambling and um, uh, rolling with jujitsu. Uh, so I've got a blue belt in Brazilian jujitsu. 
blue belt, three stripes. Um, and the, the feedback I get often is you move well. So, um, yeah, if I'm rolling with high belts, um, they'll always say you move really well. Does that mean I can finish them or submit them? No. Um, but when it comes to just general movement and body awareness, um, you know, I can get flipped, I can get inverted, um, you know, in jujitsu, they'll roll you over and um, twist you and flip you and put you upside down. And I just feel very comfortable with my spatial awareness because of the locomotion. So um, there's been a huge carryover for that discipline. Um, like I said before, smacking the kids so I can reach both kids, you know, on the back seat. Um, now I don't really smack them, but um, yeah, just playing with the kids and being a good father and uh, running around the park with them and their friends or um, my nephews, um, you know, I'm just able to be a really active parent so I can get down on the ground and um, crawl around with them and play with them. And so it's been terrific for my parenting and um, connection with children. You know, my, my nephews, um, they're, they're all really little at the minute and they're just so much fun to wrestle. And I just get down on the ground and one of my favorite things to do, I just turned 40 uh, a few weeks ago uh, in early June and um, we were rest, you know, my favorite thing to do is just go to the park and play with the kids. And, you know, we all just wrestle and play and um, you know, a bit of roughhousing and I absolutely love it. And yeah, I just don't want to lose that. So that's been a really strong carryover. Um, yeah. As for the, as for the more stricter, you know, calisthenics and um, just gymnastic strength elements that I'll train. Yeah, for sure. I think there is um, benefits there. Uh, I think because of the accumulation of the reps that you do and um, you're not consciously aware of like uh, the, the beauty of locomotion is it distracts you from the fact that you're exercising. Whereas when I'm doing handstand push-ups, I'll, I'll often have, right, I'm going to do a cluster set, uh, single reps, um, 10 single reps for this section of my uh, workout, 10 like deficit handstand push-ups, just singles, cluster set. Um, where, and I'm very aware of each rep. I know, oh God, only three to go. You know, Whereas with locomotion, um, I just lose track of how many I've done. I just... You don't even count the reps or sets because it's just, you're, you're just flowing and it, it really brings about that flow state for me. So I just lose track of time and I, I lose track of how many reps there've been. And I think just that sheer accumulation can definitely carry over for anything else you're doing. Mm. You know, just thinking about where I know this locomotion really helping me is when I'm like cleaning the house and when you're getting <laughs> down low and I've especially yeah. like normally I'm cleaning up after my daughter after she's eight and she's always dropped all this stuff. Right. I get the dustpan out and I'm just yeah. like, you know, just with this super fast duck walk all over the, the place, just oh, like, nice. just like cleaning nice. up all the mess. And I'm like, you know, I'm like an animal down there. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing you like Cossack insertion, sweep with the pan, rotational L sit out the other way, empty the pan into the bin. <laughs> hey, this is, this is where this is like, you know, they call it a life practice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. I think parenting, you know, um, 
you want to be active for your kids. You want to be able to play with them. So, you know, if you're thinking about having children, like it's, I never realized how much work kids would be physically. I thought I'm a fit guy. You try carrying a toddler around on your hip, you know, around the shops for 20 minutes under one arm. Like that is not easy. Like, and bicep cramps up and everything like, yeah. So you want to be fit for that. And so, you know, I think give yourself every advantage you can. And, um, the good thing is you don't need any equipment, just a little bit of space. I mean, you know, our country, people are in lockdown all around the place at the minute and you can do this stuff in your living room or in a tiny piece of backyard. You don't need anything. You just need your own body. Uh, it is the gym and it is the vehicle. So that's the other good thing. You don't need much stuff to get like pretty strong and pretty mobile and, and well conditioned. So yeah, when it comes to parenting, you're going to be, you're going to be in good shape for it. And that's what you want. You want to be able to wrestle them and play with them and, and, you know, rough them up and, um, lead by example. Like you want to be, you want to be a, an example, right? Um, I remember as a kid, I had an uncle who was a bit of a pirate. He was a fisherman and just a, a scallywag, like a real rascal. And, um, but he was ripped. He was just so fit. He had like, you know, anchor tattoos on his forearms and, he was hard. And when he grabbed you, it was almost violent. Like it was almost, he was, he was tough and rough and, you know, so you sort of respected him, not, not through um, fear, but he was just like, just a strong man. And I, and I just remember thinking that's the kind of adult I want to be. I don't want to be a soft um, out of shape couch potato who just has to watch. I, I wanted to participate and, and be involved and, be active with my kids. So that's my motivation. Really. It's being a good example for my children. Um, that's my why basically. And, and that's why I'm doing uh, everything I'm doing and transitioning out of law. I, I really wanted to show them that you can do something that, that you love, that you're passionate about. You can help people and you can make a living doing it. So that's my driving force. And every time I get a bit lost or a bit low on motivation, I just think, you know, be a good example for your children and, and show them what's possible. And you've got to, you've got to lead the way. That's beautiful, Aaron. And yeah, definitely your life is enriched. I think when you have like this movement potential, right? Like, and that you can express that because these kids after they, you know, wake up from their naps or their, their long ass sleeps, which I'm always envious of. They just got so <laughs> much energy. I know. Why do they get a nap? <laughs> They're living the life, mate. That's it. Yeah, my daughter's learning to skate at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm down in the skate park in our spare time uh, where I'm holding her hands and I'm, I'm taking her down the ramps and she's going up and down the ramps. So, which means I'm just sprinting from side to side for, you know, half an hour until I'm just a lather of sweat. And you know, oh, daddy needs a break now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's ready to go again. So, you know, it's just great to be able to do that with your children. And um, so, yeah, and they'll grow up. And But I, I just want this practice to go on. And uh, locomotion has longevity because it, it um, you don't, it's not as taxing as say, you do a hard day of lifting weights, you know, a heavy squat day. Like you, your legs are cooked for three or four days. You get DOMS, you get, you're very, very sore. You're out of action. You need to recover. You need to rest. But locomotion, it just doesn't, it doesn't cook you like that. It doesn't, um, it's not as, um, 
physiologically taxing um, if you do it, you know, smartly. And so it's got longevity. You can do it until you're older. It's scalable. You don't, you know, um, it's, it's progressive. You can just advance as far as you want to go. So I think I look to practices for longevity. Um, surfing is another one for me because there's plenty of old guys here on the Sunshine Coast that surf guys in their 60s, 70s out there in the lineup every day. And that's a very appealing um, discipline for that reason that you, I can keep doing that um, long term. Whereas rugby, it turns on you. Like, I, you know, most people don't get out of their 20s um, playing rugby. You, you've got to you've got to call it a day from, from catastrophic injury or just the, the burden on the body. Um, you know, rocking up to work on a Monday after playing rugby on a Saturday and training all week, you'd be destroyed, you know, and you'd be limping until the next weekend and then you're limping again. And so most people have to give up a sport like that um, in their twenties because you don't have the recovery. You don't have the luxury of um, youth anymore. You don't bounce back as quick. Whereas locomotion is very natural, very organic. You're only using your own body weight and you recover easily and quickly. Um, so longevity wise, yeah, it's a great practice uh, to have within your broader practice. Yeah. What do you think it's potentially like the dark side of um, competition sports, right? Because that makes you push, push more than maybe like your, that where where maybe you should stop, which is good, I, I I think in some circumstances, but over an accumulated amount of time, right? Like that could that could turn on you because, well, how about jujitsu? What do you what do you think about jujitsu as a long longevity practice? Do you see that fitting into that same frame? I uh, tore my LCL in a jujitsu competition, my very first one, about three months ago or four months ago. Uh, yeah, I, I decided I wanted to up, up the stakes and, um, and test my skills. So I went in my very first competition, which I'd always avoided and um, been reluctant to try because I didn't want to get injured because uh, I've got responsibilities to my family, my children and everything else. So um, for that reason, I avoided it. And, uh, you know, I sold my practice and I, I, I didn't have to worry about work. So I thought, well, I'm going to go in one and I did and um, I entered the open division and I, my first match was against some really pumped up young guy, 20, 21 or 22 year old. Yeah. The cauliflower is, he's just jacked, you know, but um, it's all weight class. So it's the same, the same division as me, but he just looked more muscular and bigger and he's young, this young stud. And um, he was just an animal. He just like throttled me, you know, and, and um, we got into a scramble and I, and he, um, he just went to flip me and I, and I tore my knee, it popped. And uh, it was, you know, I was just like, mm. damn it. This is exactly why I never went, you know, never, never wanted oh. to do this in the first place. But um, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely keen to do it again because I got a lot out of the process. Um, particularly the lead up uh, was I had to watch my weight. I had to um, stay on weight. So I actually had to lose a kilo just to slip, slip into the weight division because I was sort of on the cusp of that division. And um, I really enjoyed the focus it gave me, uh, particularly with training. Um, and I was training really hard and, and I had something to, to 
to focus on. Um, I enjoyed the adrenaline and the nerves and it was um, really uncomfortable and I was uh, just scared and nervous. And then I was with the team and um, everybody was there and there was a lot of pressure and, um, and, and even though I got injured uh, and I got through it, it was very gratifying in a way. So I would like to try it again. Um, I've never really had an injury from just general rolling, but I quickly realized the stakes are higher when you're competing, it goes up a notch and you know, it's ferocious. So um, I think you can be prepared for that. And, and definitely I just got a bit unlucky. So I'm going to jump in and do it again. Um, but yeah, I think you can mitigate that with um, you know, a good movement practice um, having good rehab uh, prehab stuff just making sure you're conditioned and um, you don't neglect uh, things. And probably my observation of yeah, jujitsu in particular is, um, you know, people get injured or, or, or they have issues and they don't particularly address it or, or they keep rolling or they don't take time out. Um, it's very addictive as a sport and you can fall into that specialist trap. Um, so you can see young guys in there that are, that are high level that have been doing it for eight or 10 years with, not you know they don't move well um they've got they've clearly got problems like where they're limping or they're walking funny or you know um spend a lot of time in flexion um there's not a lot of extension not a lot of hanging so if you don't if you don't have any sort of complementary strength and conditioning protocols or prehab or rehab stuff i can see how it could betray you in the long term so i just think it can fit in to a, a, a broader, you know, more generalist approach. Um, are you going to win the, you know, uh, top level tournaments with that approach? Maybe not because you've got to specialize to sort of do that, but it depends what you want from the practice. If you want to get into the UFC or, or perform at that level, you're going to have to really invest in those practices. Whereas, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a bit of a weekend warrior and um, I, I want to, just learn the art and benefit from it, but not at the detriment of my knees and my back or um, so it has to be balanced for me. And so I still, I'm still doing it and I love it. And um, yeah, it's no different to rugby or touch football or netball or whatever you're into. You're going to, there's a price to pay for everything. There's, there's a risk profile to absolutely every sport. There's, there's luck. You can get lucky. You can get unlucky. Um, but I think if you've got a smart prehab, rehab, you know, complementary practices, you'll do much better. How's the knee feeling now? It's good. Um, so the loco has been really part of my rehab protocol. You know, initially it was uncomfortable to, you know, it was like a uh, grade one, grade two uh, LCL tear and i damaged like a um, bursa sac or something in the back of my knee. So I had a lot of inflammation and I, it was painful to squat down low initially. Um, but yeah, within, within a few weeks, I was um, doing just some really basic locomotion, low squat patterns, not, not, to, not so much the twisting on it, um, but just getting into those positions really helped it. So I think locomotion can actually be a terrific rehabilitation tool um, if you just go slow with it and you ease into it. And um, so it's been part of my rehabilitation and yeah, now it feels good uh, back to rolling, you know, full strength. So yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah. I'm sure it won't be my last injury, but uh, yeah, that's what that's, you know, 
you got to be willing to pay the price if you're going to throw yourself into those situations. And I got a lot out of the experience. So yeah, it, it definitely won't be my last. I'll, I'll, I'm going to give it another crack for sure. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And I think that's always like the hardest part of coming back from injuries, like how to approach it in an intelligent way. Like, as you said, like it sounded like you just eased your way back into it. You didn't do anything too too advanced or too too much that would push it right but sometimes when you've been at that level before right you're like just want to you just want to return back there as as quick as possible yeah yeah Yeah, well i think um i've had enough injuries now i'm 40 i've had enough to learn uh from each time you learn something and that's how i got into this whole movement caper in the first place it was from a from a hip injury I was doing a lot of powerlifting and um, tore the labrum in my hip, and uh, I couldn't I couldn't squat anymore, and I couldn't do a lot of the lifts. So um, that's how I got into hand balancing. And you know, it it'll uh, what do they say? Never never waste a good injury. It'll um, force you to okay, I can't use my legs or hinge at the hips. So I'll stand on my hands for a while. And I think if you have that attitude, uh, there's always something you can do. So. Um, you might not enjoy it at first because you're going to suck at the new thing, but um, it's all, there's always a beautiful segue into something else. So I try to look at it like that these days and uh, look at, okay, what's, what's interesting me that I've thought about doing, but I haven't. um, And now I can push into these new areas and expand your practice. So often injuries have led me to new disciplines. Um, so there's always an opportunity there, but um, I think too, you learn after enough of them to be patient and, and not push and not rush and just take your time. Um, you know, I'm not fighting in the UFC. I'm, I'm not um, really interested in um, that sort of thing. So I'm just a weekend warrior. I'm a dad and I just got to be there for my kids and it's the long game. So it, it doesn't matter really if um, there's no point rushing it. So, yeah, I've learned from all those injuries over the years to just take your time, be smart, look at alternatives, um, see if, it, if, if there's an opportunity to try something new, do that for a while. And then, yeah, you might come back to your old stuff. You might not. I wanted to ask for you know, the course that you've set up with the movements that you've picked. What are they? <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, so we've got the roll A the rotational L-sit, the Cossack insertion, the lizard, the step behind, um, the sweep, uh, a side monkey and uh, like a macaque or a monkey flip type um, uh, movement. So there's eight skills in the course, um, each with, um, you know, some variations and varying degrees of complexity. And uh, each week uh, you work on two skills. Uh, first in isolation, then integrating them together. And then every third week. um, So yeah, by week three, you've got four skills under your belt and you'll learn how to integrate those four skills together. And then you you progress all the way through. Uh, It's designed to be done over seven weeks, but it's go at your own pace, depending on your ability and your skill level. Um, It's designed for for beginners or intermediates. and by the end of it, um, there's eight skills that you'll be able to flow through interchangeably or in a set sequence. So, yeah, that's the goal. And I really wanted to make it more accessible for people. 
um, and to give them enough to sort of play with over a few months um, rather than just drip, you know, just drip feed a couple of skills at a time. I thought I'll give you, give you a few and you can learn two a week or you go at your own pace. So if you want to go slower than that, you can, um, but there's enough there to really sink your teeth into and play with. And, um, you know, from the beginner level stuff through to stuff, that's a little bit more uh, intermediate. And why did you choose those movements? I think those ones give you um, a bit of exposure to that low gate, low squat position. Um, a lot of them are scalable. So, the lizard, for example, um, if you can get into, you know, a high plank position or you can do a push up, um, you can, you can start off with a high lizard and then, um, it's scalable. So you can work your way down into the low lizard, which is uh, a lot harder. So yeah, I thought, um, these particular skills, um, most of them are foundational to, to locomotion, but, um, they're also, uh, scalable to a point. So if you can get into a low squat and, and do some push-ups, you know, you've got enough, um, you've got enough strength and coordination to be able to start this sort of training. So I just wanted to choose things that weren't too crazy. Um, but, but things that are good fundamentals that then have great carryover, um, as you expand your practice. Yeah, there's just so much out there, isn't there? Especially when you go onto the um, onto the gram, right? And you're like, "Ooh, what's this one? Ooh, what's this one?" You know, every day. I think you said you were the same like me. You follow the um, the locomotion hashtag, and yes. on the um, on the posts which aren't like trains, for some reason, there's a lot of train posts on on the locomotion <laughs> yeah, hashtag. But, <laughs> but there are other guys that are actually doing locomotion practice, right? So that's like, yeah, it's a really rich resource. I, I find for ideas and learning new movements. Absolutely. It's trains and Kylie Minogue, just these clips of her singing locomotion, do the locomotion, you know, which I don't know. I like Kylie Minogue. She's, you know, she's Australian and a good ambassador for Australia, but um, yeah, I kind of get sick of that trains, Kylie Minogue locomotion, and then you get the movement stuff. So yeah, initially I, I got heaps of ideas off that and um, yeah, you quickly find out what's too advanced for you and, and what's beginner. So I guess I wanted to collate some fundamental beginner pieces like or intermediate pieces. And like I say, it's never ending and, and you can just keep refining each skill more and more and more. And I look at my own practice and it's softening and getting more and more fluid um, over time. And in the beginning, it was very robotic and very clunky. Um, developing those soft hands and that uh, pissy former to pointer. Um, so, you know, all that stuff's in the course, um, learning how to, how to use soft hands and, and drills to um, uh, develop that rolling hand action and um, to have soft feet and, and just drills to be more fluid. Um, but I wanted to uh, give people some basics um, that can be refined, but also combined so that you can have some combos um, and you can get started without feeling like, Oh, I only, know, I only know one or two things. So by the end of it, you'll have a bunch of stuff you can play with and you'll have your preferences and natural proclivities towards certain things, of course, but just having enough to play with and keep you going for a long time and then expand on that um, was what I wanted when I started five years ago and I just couldn't find anything online. And like I said, I, I did um, 
some gymnastic bodies programs and some things like that, uh, which were great, but they were um, more orientated towards gymnastic strength training. And I just didn't really find anything like that that was locomotion orientated. And I thought, well, I got a lot out of it, that style of learning. So um, I just wanted to make my contribution, give something back and help people get into this stuff and learn because I think it has tremendous value and tremendous benefits. So it was my way of, I had the time after I sold my law firm. So I wanted to build something and, and, you know, create something for me five years ago, because I think there's probably a lot of people out there thinking the same thing, like, Oh, how do I learn this stuff? And um, with people being so isolated now, lockdowns and whatnot, and, you know, I didn't have a teacher anywhere nearby. I couldn't find anybody that knew this stuff. And I'm, I'm thinking, how can, why isn't there anyone that can teach me anywhere close? And I couldn't find anybody. And so there was online training and that can be expensive. Um, and you might only get a couple of skills per phase and it might be part of like a broader practice, which is great. And that's a good way of developing a broader movement practice. But if you just want to sort of dive into some locomotion, I just found it really hard to find resources and I'm, I'm creating like GIF files off Instagram bits to try and isolate a skill and I'm creating, I've got a, I don't know, a Samsung note and it's got a little option to create a GIF off a skill and I'll, I'll like put a square around somebody doing something and then I'll just watch that skill over and over. And I was doing that and then I'm like, I'm just, you know, trawling the internet, trying to find anything on this stuff. And I'm like, there's a huge gap here. Like, why isn't anyone sharing more of this stuff? Like, oh, this is so awesome and it makes me feel so good. Why aren't there more resources? So I thought, oh, eventually someone will make something. And then I, I sold my practice and I thought, no, still not a heap of stuff out there. I might as well create something and put something out there to help people. So that's how it all came about. Yeah, it's awesome, mate. So it's like this, it's kind of like this secret thing that you're trying to find out and, and research, right? And then I can imagine you, you know, you're trying to make this GIF as well. And it's like such a ridiculous, it, it sounds ridiculous as well. But in, in a way, it's probably like a really good way to learn as well. Like just, just mimicking, trying to pick up from your visual cues what to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think once you've got um, your foundational strength and mobility, uh, you know, I, I have some limitations like my, my back bridges uh, and shoulder overhead shoulder mobility aren't excellent. So there's limitations with, you know, what you have to work with, but for the most part, I can look at stuff other people are doing now at this point, grab things and just try them and figure them out. So that's how I had to do it. And um, I thought, well, yeah, it would be nice to have something a little bit more, convenient, accessible, affordable, um, you know, that's systemized and a bit progressive for people to, to start and get into. So that's how it all came about. And yeah, it did seem like this um, vault of secret society, this secret information that you're trying to extract and you're like, what's going on here? Why is everybody so secretive? Like, um, whereas when I learned calisthenics or gymnastics, um, there's a lot of resources and there's a lot of teachers and, wasn't hard to find information on that. So yeah, it's just, I think maybe a fairly new area and um, it hasn't been fully explored and or fully um, shared. So um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, trying to make a contribution to that 
um, is valuable for the community. And I'd like to build a community locally too, and have more people here locally to do it with because I've been in my yard and on my own a lot and I have to travel and I've had to take seminars and workshops and fly all the way. It just seems weird. I've got to fly all the way to Wollongong, um, you know, which is, um, interstate and quite a, quite a few hours away on a plane to be with my people. So I think maybe, um, yeah, trying to build more of that locally will be a project that I really want to do as well and, um, and share it. And so that people can in turn share it themselves. Definitely mate. I'll be looking forward to seeing some movement groups pop up in the sunshine coast, you know, driven, driven by you. I think it's a long time coming should happen. Yes. And you know, with all the knowledge that you have like now, if you could give, Aaron back five years ago, some advice when he's trying to figure out this whole locomotion thing, you know, what, what we, what would you tell him? Are there any like mistakes or things that you could, could help yourself, you know, five years before that would help you learn this area of practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would tell him, make sure that each session, so this is locomotion specific advice um, to, uh, in each session, make sure that you're targeting those three areas, the, the isolated skill drill that make sure you're doing that and drill it over and over and over and over and over until it becomes a part of your physiology. It's ironed in and it's uh, this automatic thing that you can just, you, you don't have to think about it anymore. Your hands and feet know where to go because you've drilled it that much. Then in the same session, practice some integration. So, combining it with something else because you're just going to get bored if you just drill nonstop um, at step one. So make sure you're doing some of that integration, whether it's open or closed systems, and then make sure you're doing the improvisation. So putting that music on, putting the timer on and just flowing and forcing yourself to flow. Because in the beginning I would only do my favorite one is the integration. I'd look at the Instagram and see someone doing a combo and I would uh, copy that. But then I found it wouldn't stay in my system. Like I could um, practice at a session and get a sequence done, but it wouldn't stay with me. And so I, I realized I'm neglecting phase one and phase two or zone one and zone uh, three. Sorry. I was only doing this, the, the middle part, the, the integration. I wasn't doing the isolation and the improvisation. So my advice to anybody getting into this stuff would be to not neglect any of those areas and make sure you're doing all three and the drilling might be boring. It is a little bit, I'm, I'm sort of not a driller naturally, but I've got a lot of benefit from doing just that one skill over and over and over and that repetition and it gets smoother and smoother and smoother. And then um, making sure you're doing your integrations and your improvisations. So that would be my advice. Yeah. It's great advice. And it's like, it's like how to work it in a structured intelligent way right uh, i know it's a lot of fun sometimes with just letting your intuition guide you letting the feeling guide you as well but then sometimes it does cheat you out of some juicy learnings where you really just have to get stuck in and do the stuff that you you don't quite as enjoy so much but it's for like a greater enjoyment i think because then you can really progress beyond what you thought you were capable of yeah, well, people are typically on one side of the ledger or the other. You've got that left and right brain. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, they like the organization. They like the um, methodical, thought out, organized approach. 
Um, they like that structure and, and that, um, that rigidness. And then other people don't like that. They hate that. And they just want play. They just want game. And so I think those three areas to target incorporate both sides of the ledger. So it doesn't really matter what side you're on. You're going to get a bit of, bit of everything and benefit from, from both sides. So, you know, I think it's a nice way to combine left and right brain learning. Um, so it's definitely a good way to go. I've neglected it a lot when I was just left to my own devices before I did some online uh, coaching with my teacher and, and he really brought in that structure and, and made me drill things in isolation, which I was reluctant to do initially, but then I got huge gains from it. And yeah, similarly, uh, forcing myself to do those improvisations when, when you're crappy, you're just going to be crappy at it. That's just how it is. You're going to muck up and stuff up and pause and it's not going to look right. And, and then you've got to get over yourself because it's like, Oh, well, you can't just be, not every flow is going to work out. It's not all going to look pretty. Um, but that's how you learn because you push through different hard spots and sticky points and friction areas. And, um, you know, you eventually the, um, the rough stone becomes smooth. The other, uh, area that I did want to touch on as well is like this, this concept of flow. And, you know, you mentioned a lot with the locomotion, but where have you noticed flow within your life in like areas outside of locomotion? Flow state, um, which I define as, you know, uh, an absence of time where it's a timeless state where you're not aware of how long it's been. Um, You know, you can just be doing it and just get lost in it or, or so my first probably um, there's been many disciplines, but surfing really introduced me to um, a rip in the time space continuum where uh, if you've ever, it's really hard to explain to a non-surfer, but when you pull into a wave and it throws over and you go into a barrel, you go into a vortex of no time. And um, it's weird because it feels like forever, but when you see a video of you in that exact moment, it could be a second or a fraction of a second when you're in this position engulfed in water in a tunnel of water with maybe the sun, the sun is the light at the end of the tunnel and you're in this aqua moving vortex of water that's spinning around you and you're, the geometry of it is insane. The wave is moving forward uh, towards the beach, you're moving along it and down it on the wave. You're also moving from usually high to low or, and so there's so many angles and you, you don't, you lose track of time. Like you, you it feels like a lot longer than it is. So um, that for me is being, you know, a terrific uh, opening into flow state. So Definitely that. I hear about it with rock climbing. I haven't done a lot of climbing. Um, Jiu-jitsu is another one where you can just get into these epic rolls and um, you're, just, you're just flowing where you're just trying to get grips and you're trying to outmaneuver the opponent. And um, most of it's intuitive. You don't have time to think. So you can't think about where you're going to put things. It's just happening. Um, it's no mind. So I've loved jiu-jitsu for that. Um, they're probably my biggest ones. And then of course the locomotion. Um, yeah. 
I mean, sex can be a good one. Um, I don't know if I really want to go too deep into that, but yeah, there's some good flow states, you know, uh, with that, with that discipline. <laughs> that's the, um, that's the other movement practice. That's the ultimate movement practice. <laughs> it creates life, you know, the ultimate pleasure. Uh, that's why we train. That's what we train, Fayon. <laughs> I knew there was another reason other than just the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, babe. Well, I mean, other than this course, like you mentioned a couple of things, like you want to st- st- get something started up in the Sunshine Coast and, you know, make your house uh, the ultimate jungle gym. But yeah, like formally, what do you have on the cards coming up in the next couple of months? Well, what I've learned is um, the course build itself and getting that launched is only like 20% of the task. And you know, when I finished it and I launched it and I, I gave birth to it into the world and I posted it on the interwebs, I thought, oh, job's done. And then I realized that's like 20% of the task and, and the rest is like marketing. So you've got, to, you've got to market this thing and you've got to let people know about it and why it can help them and um, distribute it. <clears throat> so, you know, I mean, I secretly naively hope that it, you know, Oh, just put it out there and that's it. Job's done, but that's not how it works. So, um, yeah, for the next three months I'll be, um, yeah, just working on marketing that and, and helping demonstrate, uh, why it's valuable and, um, and helping the enrollees who have enrolled already, um, through it, giving them feedback. Um, there's a community page, built in within the course itself where people can share their progress. So they get feedback. Um, so I'm, uh, watching that and, and contributing to that. And, um, and then I think I'll, I'll build a series two, uh, because I, I, I picked those eight skills as a series one. And then, um, I've already got another eight, uh, in mind for series two. So yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting feedback on the course. Um, I'm teaching people here at home as well who are, that's um, really how I tested um, the course to get some validation and um, some proof about its effectiveness before I launched it was just um, running it past a few people locally and having them um, practice. So yeah, I'm just going to keep um, working on that stuff. Um, I just created a, a freebie, a lizard crawl guide, which has 13 different lizard crawl variations um, you know, just as a free guide for people just to get a flavor of the depth, uh, of this course, and, you know, that just focuses on one skill and there's a very long video instructional, um, that people can get for free off my website. Um, just to show, you know, how much depth there is in just one skill alone. So this stuff can go on forever and uh, I don't think you could ever master it all. Um, but yeah, we can, we can try. I think it's a really important point. It's like, you know, returning back to just things that you, you feel familiar with. There's always like a better way to do it. It's even like walking, right? Like we walk all our lives, right? But there's definitely like all these ways you can make your walk efficient. If you just pay this conscious attention to it, like day after day after day. Right. And I really find that when, yeah, I go back to some of these locomotion moves and it's, it's good to revisit, like what becomes the basics for you. Right. And you're like, Oh, it feels different now. Like you can express it in a, in a more efficient way where it almost doesn't 
cost you any energy at all, right? It's just yes. like, it's like in its purest form, just like the locomotion. It's just one way to get from A to B now that's opened up for you. Yeah, and you find like you get bored with certain things, um, particularly if they're being programmed for you. And if, if you do two months of like lizards, you just, you, and that's what any good teacher or coach will tell you that you, you're going to get sick of this by the end of this phase. You've going to drill, you, you'll have drilled it that much that you're, you're, sick of the, you're sick of it. And last time I worked with lizards a lot, I, I was just so sick of them. And then it was so fun recently to just, play around with it and I built this guide over a couple of days and I just did I just did all the different lizard variations that I that I knew and a lot of reverse lizards and then it culminated with um I found a nice little staircase and um some reverse incline lizards like going backwards up the stairs in lizard and I hadn't done it for ages and um it was so fun and I and I'd improved a lot but even though I hadn't directly done a heap of lizards all the other stuff had carried over and you know, I, my strength and timing and everything just felt a little bit better. So yeah, it is rewarding to revisit things that you've learned ages ago that you were sick of and you're like, Oh, if I never see another lizard, I'll, you know, but revisiting it can be extremely rewarding and you'll just see another little nuance that you didn't get before. You're like, Oh, right. Now I get that. I, you didn't get it before. So um, I think it's just never ending. You never, you never really master it all. It's just, um, constantly refining and going deeper and deeper into each skill. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on once again on the Passive Hang, Volume 2. I'm sure we'll have another Volume 3 with many more updates coming from your side. Hopefully we yes. can connect in person once again, move yes. together, train together. I always have a pleasure with talking with you, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to connect. And yeah, I feel very lucky to have caught up in person just a few months ago. And um, yeah, I absolutely love what you're doing. I love your YouTube channel. It's amazing. Um, and your website, the passive and the active hang. Um, so yeah, thank you for your contribution and what you're doing. And yeah, I feel like a real brother with you on this whole journey to share and make this stuff more accessible for people. And um, yeah, so I, I've always drawn a strong parallel with your progress and your evolution and, and, just the way you, you balance family and uh, career and um, then still find time to teach people and give back and, and do so much work online. So thank you for your contribution because it motivates me so much. Every time I see one of your videos, I'm like, okay, I've got to keep going with this stuff. I've got to get out there and do more. And, and so, yeah, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from it. Well, we got to keep on going, mate, you know, have this movement thing take over the world. That's it. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Okay. Thanks, Payon. And that's Aaron Griffiths, ladies and gentlemen. Very much thank you once again, Aaron, for joining us on The Passive Hang. I always really enjoy connecting with Aaron because he just is a real down-to-earth, real guy. I've had the pleasure of meeting him quite a few times now, trained together as well, and... It always brings a lot of joy, a lot of laughs, and a lot of insight as well in his own unique way. So I hope you guys got something out from that chat as well. 
For anyone interested in checking out his online course, How to Get Started with Locomotion Training, Aaron has also kindly forwarded a discount code for listeners. So if you go onto his website, that's aarongriffiths.com.au. I've also included that in the show notes. You can put in the code Aaron20. And I think that Aaron has kindly set that up for the Passive Hang listeners. All right, guys. Well, that's it for today. Remember, I'm always available to contact, question, ask anything on Instagram. That's at Fayonp, at P-H-A-O-N-P. Or you can go over to thepassivehang.com and find my details there and get in touch. Always appreciate you guys for sticking around, listening, showing your support. Appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in the next episode.